This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hi, it's David Averin with the Customer Experience Advantage podcast. You know, there's no shortage of businesses today or professionals who espouse the importance of impacting their world and community. You know, young people wanting to make a difference and change the world. But let's be honest, how many of them actually do? Well, my guest today runs a very successful creative services agency and not only works on important issues and causes that he believes in, but he helps their clients do it as well, profitably. Jacob Tell is one of the founders of Oniracom. It's one of the most brilliant, heart-led, strategic, and effective marketing leaders I have ever known. Let's talk profitable, impactful, strategic marketing. It's David Averin with Jacob Tell on the Customer Experience Advantage podcast back in 20 seconds. You're listening to the Customer Experience Advantage podcast with David Averin. Featuring candid conversations with some of the most influential leaders in business today. Sit back and listen in, or feel free to watch the video version online. This is the Customer Experience Advantage Podcast, and here's David Averin. Hey, thanks and welcome to the show today. Today, um, I'm really excited because what, what's really interesting about this is, you know, for many of who know me, my background was in marketing and branding and public relations, and we sort of called it different things over the years. But it has grown in such a significant way in terms of the, the, strate the strategic things that it covers. You know, I think when we were young, it was advertising, right? And, and could you write a jingle? Could you write an ad? But the ways that we communicate with prospects and customers and clients and constituents and, and patients and whatever your audience might be has changed in profound ways. And the really smart companies are doing it very, very strategically. Um, the tactics, of course, have changed dramatically uh, over the last... 20, 30 years. Um, but what Jacob Tell has been, uh, what he has done and his team has done at Oniracom over the last, last 20 plus years is really remarkable because I think they came at it from a different perspective. And I want to talk to him about that. But for those of you in business, and we think about some of the traditional marketing tactics, I mean, I'm going to be completely honest. I, I spoke about this for, for almost 20 years. I wrote books, those see the video version of this podcast on my website at davidaveren.com or on YouTube. You see, my, my books are strategically located next to my head. I'm really proud of the work that I did, but I'm going to be really honest. I couldn't do it today. I could, my, my daughters run circles around me. My oldest has been working um, at video production with a, a big agency, producing her own, her own shows in Hollywood for almost 10 years. My other daughter just graduated with a digital marketing degree. And while I, I think I'm still very good on this, on the strategy and how do we differentiate ourselves effectively? I've spoke about that for a long time, but from a tactical perspective, um, some of the newer strategies of, of bringing in additional stakeholders, I I'm behind. Uh, and I freely admit that's probably why I speak exclusively on customer experience right now. But Jacob is one of the pros, and he's been with the company over 20 years. Let me read the quick introduction, and Jacob, I'll, I'll say hi effect, um, officially here. Jacob Tell, um, he says, creating a culture of positive disruption is not only the slogan of Jacob Tell's branding and creative marketing agency, Oniracom, it is the red thread that weaved 
his two-decade career. Within the framework of Onericom, Jacob and his team has incubated a reality TV pilot, film production company, record label, print magazine, a trio of nonprofit compilation albums and music arts festivals in Santa Barbara, California, a digital signage technology platform, a cannabis symposium series, a neighborhood branding initiative, proprietary branding process. I'm not going to stop. I'm going to read all of them. Dozens of community events, uh, production rental operation, cannabis industry parties, Hundreds, we've all done those parties, though, haven't we? It's been a few years. Hundreds and hundreds of web pages, several art installations, major construction projects for two separate creative office spaces. And he even toured the world with rock star, the amazing Jack Johnson, managing his eco friendly merchandise. Jacob, thanks and welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You just made me feel really old, but I'm uh, I'm honored to be here with you. Well, listen, we we're old together. Um, Jake, I will I will tell you, 20 years ago, Jacob did my first website. That's right. 20 years ago. First of all, my beard was really black back then, so I looked very very different than I do today. But but honestly, watching you grow, not just in your knowledge, I think we all have, but in your mindset and approach for how you do what you do, take take us on your journey a little bit. Um, and then I, I really want to talk about the present and the future of how do we differentiate and communicate and, and sure. access those, those stakeholders. Sure. I mean, for me, it's been very much like a values alignment with you know, sort of you could use the hippy dippy like heart centered approach to things, but really it comes down to values. And I think that when you're talking about an organization that has a really strong brand foundation, it they have those values defined for them. So for us, uh, we didn't necessarily have a, a solid brand defined, but we knew what we stood for. And we knew the types of, you know, clients that we wanted to work with. We knew the types of industries that attracted us in and we knew the, the types of impact that we wanted to make as an organization. So it was very easy for us to kind of organically uh, move from, you know, what you just listed sounds like a, a plethora of random things, but, you know, there was a, a natural progression and story that unfolded over time to that. And so I think that at the end of the day, um, you know, when we approach uh, a client or they approach us, the first thing that we do is we talk values and we figure out, is there an alignment there? Because if there's not, um, then we're not going to have our heart into the work and we're not going to do a good job and they're not going to be happy with the results. Right. Well, but, but talk to me. I mean, it's really easy to say that. Um, and there's always going to be sort of those people shaking in their head, listening to this or watching the video version, but you have really found a way to do it profitably. It's not a matter of, and from our earlier conversations, it's not really a matter of we're not going to work with them. We're not going to work with them. And, 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 um, and forego that potential revenue, you're not really even having conversations with people by and large. There are companies and organizations and causes that are attracted to you because of your reputation, the ones that you go after. So uh, alignment is really so much of who you are as a company. It is. Um, because of where we started in the music industry, um, you know, we were lucky enough to work with Jack Johnson. You mentioned him earlier at the beginning of his career when he was basically saying to his, you know, major record label opportunities that were coming at him, you know, unless I've got, you know, sustainability and environmentalism at the core of what I do, and you're, you know, and you actually meet me halfway there, I'm not going to sign with you. So we saw that um, approach that he took to the music industry. And we essentially um, went with it. And sustainability environmentalism is at the core of a lot of what we do. So a lot of nonprofits, that are in that space naturally found us to your point. 
Um, and ones that we worked with, say organizations that we work with that didn't necessarily have um, that lens, uh, we would say we would challenge them to look at their supply chain. We would challenge them to look at the partnerships that they had or how they actually approached, you know, being good stewards on this planet and having some corporate responsibility and making sure that we were able to leverage that in their storytelling. So it wasn't just behind the scenes, but we could actually bring it out into the brand, into the marketing, into the approach that uh, the communications approach that they took with their clients or customers. And guess what? They actually saw a bottom line effect from that positive growth. Do you see a lot of companies today, and maybe this is a bit of a loaded question, um, that are paying lip service to being green, um, being inclusive in terms of their policies? Are they checking that box because they know a box needs to be checked? And Absolutely. What differentiates those from the ones who really have, have something that isn't necessarily divisive? I mean, there's always going to be those internal conversations. But what's the difference between those who are checking a box and those who are living those values um, and finding an audience that also cares about those values. We call that greenwashing, and it absolutely is in, prevalent uh, across many sectors, many industries. And, you know, on one hand, I, I can think of that as like, you know, the fake it till you make it. Well, okay, if you're going to do that, maybe people start internally buying off on those concepts, and then maybe there is real change that occurs in, in that organization structure. So is it really, do the ends justify the means in that case? But I think at the end of the day, the customers this day and age are so savvy. They smell inauthenticity from a mile away. Yeah. Um, they can tell if, if what you're doing truly is. And, and there's a lot more research going on because there's a lot more data out there and it's easy to find uh, information. So um, if you try to do that, it's only going to last so long until you get some bad PR and then you're either going to have to do it for reals or, you know, you're going to lose customers. To, <laughs> right, right. The, da the damage control. But here's, here's another question, because this is one that, that, that I feel, um, it's not that I feel strongly about it. Let me, let me think how I want to put this. I don't support everything, right? And so are you looking for companies that support the things you care about, or are you also helping them communicate things that they care about, as long as it's not contradictory to something, you know, whether it's, you know, people feel strongly about guns or tobacco or religion or all those kinds of things as well. Um, and I'm not taking a stand on any of them. I'm saying, do you look for, for companies who agree with what you do or help them promote something that's important to them, as long as it's not anti, you know, where you are? Yeah, that's a great question. So we do, um, listen first, active listen. Um, all of our engagements start with discovery sessions and interviews where we are just quiet and listen. I mean, we ask great leading questions, but we're not trying to force anything upon them. We're trying to download as much information from them, see what their DNA is, what they're made of. And what we do best is work at the intersection of storytelling and technology. So if we can't craft an authentic story based on what we've heard from them, then it's not gonna come across authentically and they're not gonna engage their customers with that sort of content marketing, brand strategy, et cetera, in a, in a meaningful way. Um, now, will we try to challenge them on some things that we've seen work? Sure, I mean, back to supply chain, for example, um, we'll look at, you know, if you're gonna be all made in China or you're gonna be doing things um, that's dependent on, you know, some kind of a, a, a partner or vendor in the supply chain that, that isn't, you know, following good labor practices or whatnot, we'll challenge that. We'll say, look, you're going to have to address this either now or in the future. Um, we've actually had 
a couple of clients that have switched vendors and partners because they've been like, well, this has been on our radar. We've known about this. This is something we've wanted to do anyways. Now that we're coming out with our story, you know, we want to basically clean up shop and do things the right, the quote unquote right way. And we've also, but, seen, but, let me ask, but let me ask a question though. Yeah. Is it, is it because it's the right thing to do or because it's the smart thing to do? Well, most answers um, are going to be based on bottom line revenue, to be honest uh, with you. Sure. But we're all supporting our can, staff and our families. And do the right thing and make it profitable. In fact, that's the whole point of having authentic stories to engage customers that want to not just buy from you, but become ambassadors of you and actually share your story. If you give them something authentic to, to learn about you, they're going to be excited to retell that story to their friends and become ambassadors right. of your brand. Absolutely. And to be clear, you aren't a creative marketing digital agency that focuses on causes. You work with brands and companies, and that might be part of the conversation because it's an important conversation today. Correct. There's typically some kind of an initiative, cause-driven perhaps initiative. Um, but yes, we're working with um, many for-profit um, groups across many sectors and in, in industries and trying to challenge them. You know, one of the big sectors we got into since about 20, when Colorado legalized cannabis in 2014 and California in 2016 is the legal cannabis industry. I mean, we came from music, so it was a very natural progression for us. But, you know, supply chain is huge in that space. Environmentalism is huge in that space. You know, water use and smell abatement and all these things that affect the local communities where these operations are, are occurring becomes part of the story. And if you don't get ahead of that and you don't have control of that, then you're going to have, you know, legal battles and you're going to be on the newspapers and they're going to use your, your brand name or organization name, um, you know, kind of as their scapegoat. So it's really critical. You talk a lot on your, on your website, and I know you do this with your customers, and I've watched your agency and your mindset and your strategy evolve. Talk to us about what you call positive disruption. Absolutely. It's very uh, dear to our hearts. Um, let's go back to Jack Johnson, one of our first, um, and by the way, we're still working with Jack to this day. His tour started a couple of days ago, June of 2022, and uh, we're still supporting his tour, his album, the, the nonprofit, uh, which uh, groups that are in this thing called the Village Green at his events where you can go locally and see six to eight local nonprofits and learn about their causes. Um, we built technology to support this both on site on the road as well as on the web. So we're very proud of this 20 plus relationship. But if you go back to uh, the beginning of this, what happened when he started to tour is he saw this contradiction with the sustainability footprint that they were leaving with these big trucks and buses and everything else. You looked across at the end of the night and saw these plastic water bottles littering the venues. So what they decided to do was create a uh, eco writer or a green writer and a writer in the music industry is essentially a list of things that the band and the promoter demand from the venue when they arrive in that town. Um, you might've heard funny stories of, you know, bands back in the day. Right. Green white and, and then, you know, yeah, green and out right. And sure. Like that. That's their writer. Well, he made an eco version of this writer saying, we need biodiesel available for our buses and trucks. We need water refill stations so people can bring bottles in instead of buying plastic water bottles. And there's a number of things, uh, over a dozen of them. And basically he said to them, we're not playing your venue unless you meet this criteria. We'll go play the, the next venue down the road. Even if it's a smaller capacity, we'll take the hit because this matters to us. Well, what happened is many of these venues went, wow, this stuff's not that hard to do. 
I actually can have catering companies backstage that use farm to table organic things. I can and figure out revenue models to support that. I actually can, you know, install water refill stations. And they started to make these changes. Other bands in the industry, Willie Nelson, Dave Matthews, et cetera, they started to see this and one up what Jack's crew was doing, which of course Jack loved. And now you start to see a sea change in the industry uh, and, and starting from that sort of that seed. And so to us, that defined positive disruption. You're talking about a status quo in an industry and name your industry. We can, we can find something that needs disruption. Um, and, and there's some sort of move towards the future. I think that with the Wall Street thinking of quarters, we get really um, it, you know, mired in what's happening you know, this week, next week, next month. And we sure. don't think about our generations in the future. And so this thinking is what are we doing to support something long-term, sustainable, make investments now that will pay off dividends in the future. And, and just one more thing to summarize this thinking, we approach it with a term that we call triple bottom line um, business, which is really people, planet, and profits. So you're not just looking at one bottom line here. You're looking at your people. You're looking at, you know, obviously what you're doing in terms of the environment and yes, your profit. Right. Okay. And, and that sort of leads me into my next question, because as I think about my audience of entrepreneurs, business owners, and others, I mean, who are coming out of a, a difficult time, we're all struggling to feed our families and our staff and everything else. All right, I'll play devil's advocate. Woke, liberal, tree-hugging crap. And your response? We got one little blue dot floating around in this uh, universe that we currently can access. So, uh, this is all we got, folks. Uh, we don't take care of this. Things like uh, economies don't really matter that much. So yeah. I would, I would, I would say that our priority ought to be thinking about the next fifty to hundred years and how we're going to sustain life on this uh, on this rock, and uh, and then we can approach the other issues. Well, and what I like, because you and I have talked over the years as well, is that you have very strong beliefs and you have a really caring heart. I think I mentioned that in the introduction as well. But your conversations with your clients and everything from consumer products and music industry and others, it really is about business. I mean, this is all part of it. But let, lest anybody be dismissive of saying, yeah, it's easy for this and you can care. You are working very strategically with companies to help them sell their products and services, make big profits, but also attract the right people who, are, um, who appreciate what they're doing. Right? They don't have to necessarily believe in everything. I mean, there's certain causes that are less important to me. I'm not against them, but I know where my priorities are. Like my priorities are kids. I support causes with children. I volunteer my time. I give my, my treasure, whatever the, the slogan you want to do. Um, I'm less, and I'm just going to be honest with you because we've known each other for a long time. I'm less concerned about recycling. And even though I know it's important, there's just only so many things. If there's a recycling thing, I always use it. But do I take the time and separate? It's just not my issue. But I appreciate those where it is their issue, right? And not everybody has the issues that are my issues. How do you balance that? Or how, here's a better question. How do you leverage that to help a company be preferable over their competitors? Those who do work and aren't just greenwashing, yep. um, but, but attract an audience who appreciates what they appreciate and says, Great give question. me... All, all things being equal, I'm going to opt for them. You know, the way that we listen actively to our clients when they come in and learn about them 
we do the same thing on behalf of our clients to their customers. So we listen to their customers. We actually have an entire um, division, if you will, service called actionable intelligence here. And it's a data-driven approach to brand strategy, marketing, you name it. Now, while we don't run day-to-day -day management on an ad campaign, we will find the data, define the audience, define the attributes of that audience, and hand that off to an advertising partner for them to create audience-driven ad campaigns to properly target and, and get the right message to the right person at the right time. But at the end of the day, if you're not listening to what your customers are saying, what your customers are doing, people are giving away data every millisecond of the day. Um, right. They're giving it away and it's out there and you can find it. And it's not that expensive. There are ways of doing this on your own where you don't even have to hire a group like us. There are tools on the back end of most social networks that allow you to drill down and see even some basic demographic, psychographic information about the audience you already have. And then you can create, say, a lookalike audience to go attract more people like, like that. We call it, you know, find your choir that you're preaching to and expand, it, and expand out from there. So for us, when we listen to an audience and we find out what they're into, what, what they read, what they buy, what their shopping behaviors are, what patterns they have, that can come back into a focus and, and we can say, look, these are the, the values that your customers care about. Are you in alignment or not as a brand or as an organization with that? And if you aren't, what are some things we can do to make adjustments in your communication strategy and your PR strategy and your advertising and your influencer marketing, whatever it may be? Um, so for us, again, it goes back to listening. Very, very critical. Well, and I, I think that's that part is really important. I think for our listeners and our viewers as well is, is I, I saw some line the other day says like, unless you have research to back it up, all you have are opinions, right? And you're not asking people to do this because it's the right thing to do. I, 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 have the, I heard this great line. I wish I'd come up with this. And it said something along the lines of, you're trying to get somebody to do what you want them to do. Don't appeal to their better nature. They may not have one appeal to their self-interest and you'll get it farther. And the point I'm making is when you go in there and say, I'm not saying do this because it's the right thing to do and because you're supporting the causes that I care about. You're saying, this is the smart thing to do. This is going to drive the right people who, who, who share that belief system in the, in a, it's in a situation where all things are equal, you're going to be preferable. I mean, you're really pulling through that division that you have, the data that shows them and maybe the naysayers or the, the bean counters and others within that organization. This is smart business, data-driven strategy that will boost your bottom line. Absolutely. We talk about the customer journey. We all go through customer journeys, whether it's, you sure. know, going into the grocery store and picking out a can of soup off the shelf or whether it's buying your next home or car. There are very distinct stages from, you know, identifying the need in the first place to doing the research on the competitor set to actually making the decision to actually purchasing. At the end of the day, people and brands think about that loyalty loop of people coming back through and making a, a future purchase. And that's great when you have lifetime customer value that is more than just one transaction. Sure. But the last step of that customer journey is one that we focus on the most to say, can you get there? And that is truly ambassadorship. Can you have people come back through after they've maybe made purchases several times and become an ambassador of the brand? You see this with like Tesla owners where they're just screaming to the rooftops about how much they love their experience driving their car and all the, all the features that they, that they tout. And so they become ambassadors 
to their group of friends about how great this, this car experience is. So, you know, I think that's a really critical thing is to look at your customer journey. Tell me about what Oniracom does with your firm in helping organizations tell that story through social media. Do you, do you help them understand their audience enough to understand how to equip them to, for lack of a better term, make it really easy for others to brag about you? Stories sell. Story, story, story. So yes, I mean, there might be like only one or two or a handful of initiatives or, or focused marketing campaigns that you might be running um, right now, but they all have kind of a, a story arc, which is beginning, middle and end. Um, and typically when you're talking about marketing and branding, there's some sort of a call to action. And so is your story compelling enough to get somebody to act? And whether that action is signing up and giving data on a mailing list, purchasing a product, sharing a piece of content, doesn't matter. You've got to compel somebody to take action because guess what? We've all got ADHD scrolling million miles a minute through all yeah. the different platforms and what gets somebody to actually stop and act? That's, that's the million dollar question. Well, talk to us about some of the, the tactics and because that's what's changed so tremendously in the 20 plus years that you and I have worked together is... And, and I'm older than you, but I mean, I remember as a kid, you, you put an ad in the yellow pages, right? And that that's, was your big marketing spend or an ad in the local paper. Talk to us about all of the vehicles and venues. And I know some of those you've created for your own company and magazines and, and events. How are people communicating, engaging, and um, staying connected with their, their tribe? Sure. It's all dependent on who your, your customers are. And you want to meet them where they are. Um, you know, I could go in down the TikTok rabbit hole right now with you. And I'm sure you've got some great dance videos I can go find and share to your audience, right? But, on no. Okay, fair enough. But um, one of the things I will generically say, because I think it's really like a case-by-case -case thing where, you know, a brand that is attracting a certain demographic, psychographic audience, you want to see where they are spending most of their time, whether that's Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, you know, certain blogs, whatever. But one thing I will generically say is that what the pandemic kind of did for a lot of us, especially on the B2B side, but also B2C, is it created a sense of yearning for human connection and community. And yeah, so absolutely. I'm really looking at live events. I'm looking at virtual events. We're looking at work, you know, workshops. We're looking at in-person um, opportunities. Uh, and those are places where I think it's a really smart uh, investment right now for brands to go make human contact again. We were for so long sort of pushed into Zoom culture. Um, and now for most of the, the world, I think, and especially most of the states here, we can now again gather, we can go to trade shows and conferences, we can find local events in our communities, we can host events and bring people to our spaces, which is something that we do on a regular basis. And I'm finding more and more that people are willing to not only pay to enter, but they're willing to give data. Uh, they're willing to do product demos and samples. They're willing yeah. to uh, do all sorts of interactive and engaging things that I think can, can provide a lot more value than just making a transaction over a social media platform. We're talking to Jacob Tell, the, uh, one of the founders of the strategic creative marketing agency, Oniracom, based down in beautiful Santa Barbara, California, but you guys do work everywhere. Um, tell us what you're working on right now and what's coming down the pike. Uh, that, that part's always really interesting to me. There's some legacy clients 
But what are, what are some of the exciting things that as you talk about your, your positive uh, disruption, what's, what are you guys working on right now that's different and creative and might surprise people? Sure, I'll go there. I will go there. I will surprise people right now. So not only have I mentioned the music industry um, background 10 plus years, we were one of the premier go-to creative agencies for all the major record labels. We worked with Sony, Warner, Disney, EMI, Universal, you name it. Um, that was the good old days of the industry. We then went to lifestyle brands and then eventually cannabis. So now I've mentioned cannabis a few times. But um, we've also started to dip our toe into the world of psychedelics and working to support brands and organizations that are disrupting big pharma. There's a lot of research going on at Johns Hopkins and other universities that are showing, you know, finally some studies that are helping people that have PTSD, addiction issues, anxiety, depression, you name it. Um, anything really with looping thoughts and patterns. So because of this, and because we've been putting on these events, and because we've been trying to create more of a culture and a community and positively disrupt, um, we've actually decided to create a separate little entity that we've been incubating, and I've been doing a few little test events, and we've had about 200 plus people show up to each one, which for our in space is pretty good. Um, we're calling this District 216. It's going to become a private members only social club, and it's going to have four pillars of content. It's going to be based around art, music, cannabis, and psychedelics. And the idea is that these events are going to be edutainment driven. So they'll have educational components, they'll have entertainment components. And it's about a place to connect, share ideas, discuss taboo topics, and have a community form uh, around what I believe to be a very burgeoning and positively disruptive uh, set of industries. Now, do you have um, aspirations or experience in public policy advocacy as well? Are you doing some of that strategic work uh, on your own and advising clients on, 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 on working with policymakers affecting that kind of change, not just from the standpoint of public opinion, but for those who have the authority to make the decisions? It's a great question. Um, Tangentially, not directly. Uh, we definitely work with, with a few organizations on the environmental side and have for probably 20 years here in Santa Barbara. Santa Barbara is the birthplace of Earth Day. We've worked with the organization behind Earth Day Festival here, which had started 51 years ago here in Santa Barbara after the oil spill of 1969. And actually Nixon, who started the EPA out of that um, and Earth Day that formed out of that. This is all the Community Environmental Council here. So through them, we've definitely worked with um, policy driven initiatives and some policymakers. When it comes to, um, you know, on the psychedelic side, when we're talking about new policies that need to come out, and there have been, by the way, state of Oregon has legalized psilocybin. Now we've got, um, you know, mushrooms that can be used for, you know, veterans that come back uh, with PTSD and things like that. Um, those sorts of policies are made by groups of, of leaders in the industry that literally gather in places like what we're trying to create. So, we want to facilitate and be a container for said policymakers to come in, have a place to, you know, make collisions, meet, um, talk and share ideas. You know, what's interesting, and, and we're, we're almost out of time here, is that, that so many of these conversations have been shunned for so long or dismissed for so long um, because of sort of the stigma behind them. But because of that, there was also a lack of research. And there was a lack of resources. And whether you're, you're in favor of, of big pharma and recognize the values there, or there was no incentive to do so because there was no money, because nothing was legal. And so what's really fascinating to me is some of the conversations and the knowledge that's coming out of them. I watched this 
have you seen this um the documentary my my wife told me to watch this the fantastic fungi absolutely yep. was that unbelievable I bought the Blu-ray to support those guys. I don't even watch Blu-rays, but I, but yeah, I'm telling you for, for our audience. And, and I know we're sort of getting off the subject here because we really talking creative marketing and disruption, all that as well. Highly recommended, absolutely alien, mind-blowing, fantastic fungi. Um, it's like something right out of Avatar. Um, the, the connections and the science and stuff that I had no idea. All right, we'll talk about that for another day. Um, Jacob Tell, thanks for being with us. If people want to get to know more about the work that your team does at Oniracom, if they're looking for a really strategic, creative marketing firm, data-driven, um, heart-led, how do they get in touch with you? I'm super easy to Google and find, but you can go to oniracom.com, O-N-I-R-A-C-O-M, I also have my own personal jacobtell.com and you can find me on most social networks, uh, even TikTok, I, I, I sadly will admit, at Jacob Tell. Working on those, those, uh, <laughs> those dance videos as well. My daughter makes me do that stuff. Um, listen, thank you for, uh, for, for taking the time. I appreciate it. I'm grabbing something on my screen. Oh, there we go. Um, I forgot I was going to promote my own stuff. Hang on, because we're going to yeah. talk on the other side. You can pick up a copy of my brand new book, The Morning Huddle powerful customer experience conversations to wake you up and shake you up and win more business. Be sure to click to like this podcast, leave a comment. That's really important for the, uh, the internet gods and the algorithms as well. Leave a comment, uh, subscribe, click the little bell icon. It'll let you know when there's new episodes being posted. We post them every Tuesday, watch the video version, Jacob, very handsome man um as well um thanks for tuning in uh, if you want to learn more about my consulting and my speaking you can look me up at davidaverin.com click like leave a message thanks to jacob tell for being with us i'm david Averin. be good this has been the customer experience advantage podcast with david Averin. feel free to leave a comment and be sure to hit the thumbs up button you can listen to past episodes and be notified of future ones by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform David's popular marketing and customer experience books are available in print, as well as Kindle and audiobook, and published in multiple languages around the world. You can stay connected and learn more at davidaverin.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.